John, today we learned about crystallizing brilliance and there are several steps on how to do it. Clarify, amplify, and monetize. And Teresa Rose really broke down how to go about doing that. She was very generous giving our listeners kind of a roadmap. Yeah, I think way too many times, Rich, we question, do we have any brilliance? Do we have any gifts to offer? And I think what Teresa really extracts out of entrepreneurs and leaders is we all have it. We all have different components, things we've learned, things we've conceptualized of brilliance. Put it all together, figure out how you fit on a small little napkin. What are the words that really mean something to you, your brand, and really what your brilliance really is? And then figure out a way to amplify and monetize it. Here's Teresa Rose. Hey entrepreneurs, are you looking to take your business to the next level? I'm sure you are. Listen up. The Entrepreneurs United Empowerment Experience is coming to Austin, Texas on October 2nd to the 4th, and you do not want to miss it. At this exclusive event limited to just 50 entrepreneurs, you'll have the opportunity to connect with other like-minded business owners and CEOs, learn from industry experts, and enjoy unique experiences that you will not find anywhere else. The Entrepreneurs United Experience will leave you feeling inspired, energized, and ready to take on whatever opportunities and challenges come your way. So mark your calendars now for October 2nd to the 4th, and join us at the Omni Barton Creek Resort in Austin, Texas. You will not regret it. Visit entrepreneursunited.us to learn more and secure your spot today. All right, Teresa, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Excited to have you with us this morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Yes, I did a little bit of research on what you're doing and you know how you're helping people crystallize their brilliance, as you call it. Yeah. Can you please, before you go to telling us what you're doing exactly, can you give us a little bit of your background, how you came to be in this space to begin with? That is such a great question because it's so loaded. I believe that our lives are this wonderful laboratory of ways in which we can gather insight, skills, expertise. And I started my journey literally at five years of age. I had a direct sales mother, single mother, and I was around kitchen tables all over the Midwest, understanding at a very deep level what sales was all about. And I saw what leadership was about. I saw how you ran your own business. I saw weekly summary sheets that projected income and that identified where, where you were going to put your energy towards. So this is like in my bones about knowing entrepreneurialism and knowing sales and marketing and also being just flooded with in my childhood, flooded with positive psychology, things like Think and Grow Rich. Right behind me, there's a 1960 weathered copy from my mother, $1.95 of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. That was on her nightstand for the 30 years. And so that sort of infusion of mindfulness, uh, presence, uh, how can you utilize every moment to its greatest effect is in my bones. Uh, and then I've had a whole host of things that I have uh, done over the last um, decades where I got a business degree, I worked for a large corporate uh, uh, enterprise fortune 100. I was responsible for a hundred million dollars of annual revenue back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I understood how to run enterprise organizations. I was in marketing and product development. I really understand gaps 
when I can, it's like, I can see when I look at a brand or a business, I, it's like a puzzle, but with people and products and customers and processes and systems, and I can see where they're lacking. And so you take that kind of uh, foundational aspect of what I know about business, and then you add on my colorful personality and you add a bunch of theater in there and some keynote speaking in there and some sales in there, right? I did some network sales for a global executive network during COVID. So I really got baptized by what it need, what, what, what someone needs to do to, to close the sale. So I understood not just marketing throughout my entire life, but I got into sales and I knew I was having to smile and dial. And I understood when you are selling, this is your real estate, this rectangle here, this glowing rectangle that we're all in in Zoom, this is maximizing a stage. And I learned how to do it well and what it took to convert. And what I understood in that whole bevy of experiences that I've had over my life is, number one, sales doesn't work to nearly to the degree that it should unless you have a show and tell model. When you can triangulate sales, when you can get out of the mentality of I'm selling myself and you sell an idea, you sell your brilliance, you sell a model, a, con, a contextual model of your genius that's different than everybody else, it triangulates the sales conversation. So I learned that technique. And I also then, because I was a coach for this global network, I was at the head of thought leadership. And as a professional speaker, author, coach, consultant as well, I got an in-depth education, exposure to, and insight of what was really the pain point that everybody was feeling because these were incredibly talented people they had because I got to see them and connect with them one-on-one -on -one outside of the way that we present ourselves to the world I was really this safe space that they could be themselves and I noticed time and time and time and time and time again regardless of who it was it could be an executive it could be a thought leader it didn't matter if it was their brick and mortar business or it was somebody who was selling their ideas their number one challenge that they had beyond a shadow of a doubt was lack of clarity. That lack of clarity then beget misaligned strategies, expensive strategies that were competing against each other, cannibalizing with each other. Therefore, they couldn't monetize to the level that they wanted to. It was a lack of clarity that I kept seeing consistently over and over again. And so then I took all of my skills and talents and a lot of other different ways of, uh, I'm very intuitive. I'm very uh, present with people. I can listen to them. I can allow that brilliance to emerge right out of them in an organic way when I'm asking pointed questions questions and working with them in the way that I do. And so that's how I solved that problem is I became a brand and business crystallizer. How could I take all these people that had all this brilliance and bring it down to a cocktail napkin? Thanks for the introduction to you. <laughs> I'm curious, you were saying at five years old, you had a direct sales mother and you were at kitchen tables all over the Midwest. And yeah. sounds like you have lots of memories of that. I do. I'm not sure I've ever met anybody who's had that as part of their story that they were toted around as from home to home observing a parent doing selling Yep. at five years old. That's such a young age. How did that help form who you are in a positive way? And then how did that, what's the downside to that? 
what's the unintended consequence that, you know, your mom never thought that it would also do this? Yeah, oh gosh, such a great insightful question. There are many positives of growing up riding shotgun on a pink Cadillac. There's the mere fact that I am the presence that I am, the the energizing force that I am is as a result of that time. And when you just, you do it, you show up, in, you cannot just show up in body. You cannot, you won't sell. You won't sell if you just show up in body. You need to show up in mind, body, and spirit. And when you can show up with people in mind, body, and spirit, that is what converts. Now, I, of course, didn't understand that at five years of age, right? But I I got it by osmosis. And the other things of just work ethic and and the customer, what I really got was my mom could just zone in on whoever was in front of her. Okay. And they, these were women from every background, every age, every economic strata, every situation. And my mother could dial in and just be right with that person and just listen to exactly what their needs were. And she wouldn't sell. She never got commission breath. She never had the thing where she needed it and we needed it. We needed it. I was eating Dinty Moore stew and macaroni and cheese and, you know, the things that poor people families eat. And I could see her transform into somebody who was really, truly and genuine from her heart saying, I'm going to serve you right now. You're a human being with a need and you've carved out time with me right now and I'm going to help you. And she also not just was open hearted and present, but she also was incredibly confident incredibly confident and she did show and tell sales she would just talk about the mary Kay opportunity oh in case you didn't know that was the company that she worked uh, when with. you said pink cadillac but yeah. so i saw her i saw herself for the first year and a half of my life around the kitchen tables right we were there was product i was chief fulfillment officer product fulfillment assistant that was my my role but then she got into leadership very quickly she got into leadership quickly to say i don't want to be around kitchen tables doing this all the time I'm going to get into leadership immediately. And I watched her do it. And I watched her have recruiting interviews in Perkins restaurants all over, right? And it was sitting right next to her. And she would have this conversation like she was an HR director. Here's the thing. Here's this job. Here's what it involves. Here's the good sides. Here's the bad sides. Here's what I won't guarantee that you'll be successful at this in the least because it's completely up to you. Here's what I'll provide the resources, the expertise, the ideas, the mentorship, the accountability, the support that you need, the encouragement personally. But frankly, it's all up to you. Do you tell me, is there any other reason why other than fear you wouldn't want to move forward with your training program today? And then she'd wait and they'd say yes or no. And she, it was, that was what I learned in that. What'd you have to overcome through that? My own self, you mean? What did I have to yeah. overcome? Yeah. Embarrassment. Embarrassment. Plain and simple. I was embarrassed that I was a daughter of a single mother who put on her face every day. She created a miracle every day with big, it's so funny because I used to just be mortified by her false eyelashes. And because my friends never had moms that had false eyelashes and they didn't have painted fingernails and they didn't have fur coats and they certainly didn't have pink Cadillacs. And so what did I have to overcome was I was different than everybody else. I was already different than everybody else. 
I won most enthusiastic in second grade, okay? When other people were getting best speller and good eraser, I was getting most enthusiastic. So I was already different. I was already smarter than a lot of the other people in my classrooms because I've been, I was learning things from these incredible leaders, right? I was being educated outside of the educational system. And so when middle school rolled around, oh my God, fifth grade was an absolute horror show from start to finish because I was dropped off in a pink Cadillac by a woman singing, I will survive. And my friends wouldn't, they weren't like that. And then the bullies a year older than I really loved that. I was like chum in the water. So it was painful uh, to be different. It was painful. Mm -hmm. And the other part that was really tough was there was, because it was a, it was so driven by sales, she was full time by the time I was six years of age. It was every month, uh, you know, was the first part of the month and the last part of the month were traumatic for me. And I'm being real deal on having this real conversation with you. Okay. It yeah. was traumatic growing up every more, every first of every month going up, oh, starting at zero. I hope it works. And at the end of every month going up, oh, I hope I can get across that next threshold. So we get the next percentage because then that means close, right? Rent, things like that. And so every month, twice a month, my little system not only was taking in amazing things, it was also taking in, this is unsafe and unsteady and you never can relax. And that had a cost that I'm still working through. Tell me more about that. Just, just because I'm an entrepreneur as well, right? This is what I do. I run my own thought leadership practice and consulting practice, and it's it's transactional. It's this. I work with a client anywhere from two days to a year, and then you got to have your funnel really solid. And so for years, I didn't, and I was great at what I did, but I wasn't great at the business. I was great at the delivery. I wasn't great at the business. And so just even literally last year, through this last year, I just said, oh, no, we're going to change this now. And I got the right coach. I got the right systems. I got the right support that I needed to be able to not just be an outstanding deliverer of services, but an outstanding CEO. And so that has now helped me deal with that agitation, that constant fear of the entrepreneur of, am I going to make it? right? Is yeah. now I've got the system in place and the framework in place that I go, yeah, actually I, I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be just fine. Right. And I'm going to add on teams and I'm going to do amazing things because I've been able to utilize the work that I've done in marketing and product development and sales and all the other things to do it for myself and not just do it for other people. Yeah. Teresa, thanks for sharing that story. It's certainly the, the life of an entrepreneur. It is these ups and downs and ups and downs. And the fact that you were a five or six year old quasi entrepreneur, because you wanted that sale just as much as your mom wanted that sale. You were, you were in it, you were engaged, builds a lot of strength in somebody in terms of where they want to go. And what, I, what I'm really curious to dive into as well, because I'm sure it, it helped clarify for you, your brilliance in order to amplify it and monetize it, as you say, yeah. right? Clarify, amplify, yep, monetize. Exactly. You said something about in the last year, you had a little bit of a pivot and you had a coach. And that, Rich and I talk about this a lot, how 
It doesn't matter who you are. You could be Elon Musk. It doesn't make a difference. Everybody needs that coach in their corner. Absolutely. And what you do with entrepreneurs is you create a little bit of a mastermind of two to be able to drive them past that imposter syndrome, drive yeah. them past the challenges and, and cha- obstacles that they encounter. Yeah. Tell us about that transition and pivot for you. And then we'll dive a little bit into exactly what you're doing to help drive uh, entrepreneurs and leaders today. Yeah, I would say it was less of a pivot and more of a refining of what it is that I do. I got very clear with the help of my coach to be seen and to be reflected upon. And then I could refine my message because I had that coach. I It was just a game-changing experience for me to have, have somebody in my corner that took the time to really be my co-creator of my business, right? I had, I've met a million coaches. I'm in the thought leadership world. Are you kidding me? I'd walk out for a cup of coffee and I'd stumble over a coach. So it's, it's, it wasn't about lack of exposure to people and their ideas and everything. When I finally had someone who I knew in my heart believed in me and trusted, and I could trust, and I could show him my ugly, I could show him all the things that were really the real stuff, I was able to give air to my challenges and my weak points and my blind spots and my insecurities. And when he safely could see that and see my brilliance at the same time, he could say, now let's dive a little further. I got out of my own head. And when I And then, of course, I was already doing that with my clients. I do deep dive one-on-one work with people to help them gain clarity on their brand and write the messaging and monetization off of that. But I realized I am going to not only market myself and showcase the value that I bring as a brand and business crystallizer, bringing it down to the cocktail napkin, I'm equally going to share the power of being a strategic co-creator, taking what we create on the cocktail napkin and take it off of of it and actually implement it into the world. Because frankly, that's the part that's more important <laughs> is not just, can I do this amazing thing where I can take all these you know, disjointed messages and, and brand qualities and bring it down to a something you can draw on a cocktail napkin. I think, pr- frankly, the more important service that I provide is that safe space for them to work through their initial lack of clarity, because that's the wobbly, weak, scared, vulnerable little kid in them that goes, I don't know what to do, and I can't tell anybody about this, so I'm in a mind loop endlessly about this. When I can hold that safe space for them, but strategic space, not just airy-fairy, cosmic, muffiny, woo Oh, do you feel okay? How's your feelings? I'm talking about holding that space. And then the next step is now what's the next strategic step you can do on this? that's to me what really landed for me last year, the value of that. And then I said, now I'm going to put my business wrap around that so that people really understand that I do strategically sacred work. And, And then just shine yourself, be you, right? Do you all the time. And when it's the same messaging, when it's crystallized as a picture, then you can be consistent with that right? You don't have to just have it be one-to-one. Hey, I met this great gal and she does this great thing. Now, everywhere I am on every podcast, on every networking call, on every happenstance experience I have in an airport, I'm talking about the same things over and over again. Clarity on a cocktail napkin, right? And therefore, that's what made the business explode. 
Yeah, love that. It's interesting, Rich, I don't know if it resonates with you a little bit, but we just recently did a book review on Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. And Congratulations like, and well done. Thank you. Yeah, that was Rich led that one. That's one of his favorite ones Excellent. of all time. And we also did another book review, by the way. We've only done four book reviews in four seasons of our podcast. But one of the other ones, the first one we ever did was Think and Grow Rich. And it seems like that book and that message, I'd say, what, Rich, one out of every three guests that we have on this podcast, that book just seems to come up over and over again. People don't understand the the importance of your mind being wired, right, in in the right framework where you can envision where you want to be, because that's what ultimately will happen in your life if you envision it. So love all the messages that you're bringing. And for Brene Brown, where I was going with that is just the ability to be vulnerable. You have to have that. And you just role modeled that with us, the ability to be vulnerable, be who you truly are. I, I think a lot of times entrepreneurs struggle with that and have a coach allow them that safe space to be vulnerable, to allow them that box or that safe space to be who they are so they can grow is extremely valuable. So I, I really love that. Let me break it down a step further here and maybe a, a real world example. As you say, break it down to a napkin and I yep. use your words, clarify, amplify, monetize. Yep. But can you give me maybe a little bit of a, an exact scenario? If I'm an entrepreneur leader listening to this going, okay, what, what does that mean exactly? Crystallize this on a napkin and yeah. how does this really work? Can you maybe provide a breakdown of this napkin theory and clarify, amplify, monetize and how it works? Absolutely. So what I do is I believe that everybody's already been brilliant. Okay. Their business, they're already doing brilliant things. That's my assumption is that they've already been brilliant. And their problem is clarifying that, being able to actually articulate that and draw it in a distinctive way. So what most marketing agencies do, which that is a portion I would describe myself as a branding expert, most of them will ask you, who are you? And they'll ask you that through two-day long strategy meetings, or they'll ask you that through 50-page surveys and all of that. What I do is I'm like a CSI investigator for your brilliance. What I do is I actually go backwards because I already know you've been brilliant. So I ask them to create a box of brilliance, which is just a cloud-based folder. And I say, put everything in there that you that is meaningful to you, that is where you have shined, where you're proud of it, and you want to do more of it. And I have them put that in there. It could be product specs. It could be speeches. It could be podcast interviews. It could be handwritten notes. I've I've crystallized people on, on in their journal notes. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. Content is content. You put all that stuff in there, and this could be a business like an association, for example, national association. I just recently crystallized, or it could be a, th- a thought leader who wants to build a global movement based on their idea. I will ha- look at all that stuff. I'll digest it, and that's the first step of it: is to truly be with their content. People have been brilliant, and most times when their brilliance goes out to the world, people scan it, they review it, they. They skip it, they scroll it, they click on it, listen to it for two minutes, and then they leave because they're all scattered squirrels that are completely distracted by life. Okay, so the the magic happens when I am with their content, even if it's a pro forma for a fran you know for a franchising initiative they want to do. I'm actually with their business and their brilliance, and I digest it meaningfully. I read the actual book. To, right after this, gentleman, I'm going to be reading a 150-page dissertation from one of my clients who is now moving into her own brand as a consultant. I'm going to read her dissertation, actually, 
And I bet I will be the only person that has read her dissertation other than the dissertation evaluator. So when by reading that, then I distill it down to its essence. What are the words that keep coming up? What do I keep feeling that she lights up around when I'm writing, when I'm reading it or seeing it or listening to it? And then I design a one of a kind model with anywhere from three to seven to 10 words maximum. No catchphrases, no acronyms, no whatevers. This is literally labels on a cocktail napkin that distills it down to its essence. Let me give you an example. So I had a woman that I knew for years who had this passion, this idea that if you actually could just sit down for a minute in a chair that was a special chair and you thought of a, a moment that brought you joy, that you could change the world. That's what she wanted, a chair of joy. And she would tell people about this. And I saw over and over again people being attracted to the idea, but they weren't magnetized by it, and they certainly weren't taking action on it, and they weren't monetizing, okay? So she knew there was energy around it, but she couldn't do anything about it. And she kept adding words and more words, more research and more just noise, okay? Trying to justify why her value was, why her idea had value. And I could see it did because I could feel people and my own personal response to the idea. So when I crystallized her, I went through everything. I went through her webinars. I went through her articles. I listened to her in, in meetings. And what I realized in the course of this deep dive distillation of her brilliance is that she really wanted something for kids, She cared a lot. And I wouldn't have known that had I just listened to her tell me what she wanted. I had to find it. And I found that she really wanted something so simple that a child could understand it. Because she knew if she could get the mental health crisis that we are all in, if we could get it at a childhood level and start to instill some practices with a child, as evidenced by what I started with this conversation, you can change a life you can change a life. And when you can change a life, you can change the world. And so I created a model for her on her chair of joy that was four simple words. It was like four stools on a chair. Sit, breathe, think, feel. Those four words, sit, breathe, think, feel. You sit in the chair, gentlemen, and and your listeners, we're sitting in a chair right now. I want you to breathe. Just breathe, right? You breathe into your body, arrive in the moment, get into yourself and not think of all the other million things you need to do. Think. Think of one thing that really brought you joy or that will bring you joy very soon. And then you feel what it feels like. Think, sit, breathe, think, feel. When she got those four words that you can draw on a cocktail napkin, she galvanized that movement. She galvanized that business in a way that people understood it. A child, they now have a children's chair of joy that goes to schools and after school programs, teaching little kids how to manage their emotions and how to manage their mindset and how to deregulate their, their nervous system. It's a brilliant, in my view, brilliant model. Okay. So when you can get simple like that, just do it as only three words, but they're the right words. Right. So that's what I'm talking about when we talk about getting down to clarity on a cocktail napkin. That's excellent. Teresa, I I think as business leaders, our job is to make things which are complex more simple. And when we make things more simple, they're more memorable, they're more usable. 
we can actually do something with it because we can remember it. We don't have to look it up and there aren't a bunch of words. You don't need a bunch of attention from people. I think that's our job as business leaders. And I think many business leaders are not excellent at it. It sounds like that is precisely what you declare is your excellence to be able to do that. How did you become so good at it? (laughs) I stumbled into it. So I was the first half of my speaking career, professional speaking career that started in 2009. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just showing up doing things that I knew I was passionate about and that I was good at and that I could uh, bring enough energy where people would pay me to talk about it. Okay. But then I got to the point where I was competing against people that were saying they did the same thing that I did for free. And it's really hard to compete against free. And so I learned about this idea of a a contextual model, and I'd already understood what they were. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a contextual model. Simon Sinek's golden circle, why, how, and what is a contextual model. I knew that they had potency. So my latest book, I was like, I'm going to write a book for me that is going to serve me for years to come. And I created my own model of what I knew, and I called it mindful performance. And it's a nine-part model with mindfulness in the middle, nine areas of focus all the way around it that shows I'm not just somebody who knows about meditation and talking and the talk. I can show you that I've walked the walk because I'm going to show you the map. That's what I did. And when I did that, then my friends and other people in other businesses, healers, authors, coaches, executives, marketing executives, different people would say, could you do that for me? And I didn't know, but I went, I'm going to try. Let's see. And I just started and I realized, wow, I can do this, right? I can do this when I take the time to really observe and observe them in the wild, observe their content. And I had this uncanny ability to distill down. And I think it's the word nerd in me. And I was in the gifted and talented program when I was young, and we were taught how to do conceptual thinking, higher level thinking, and it has served me well. So that's the thing. And to come back full circle, when your listeners are wondering, you know, what, how I'm stuck, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I really encourage them, look backwards. Look at what you've done in the past. Maybe I was one of my first paid jobs outside of my mom paying me was McDonald's, 14 years old, drive through. Okay. I understood how to do things efficiently. You put one thing in front of another, in front of another, because you don't want to take seven steps to go get straws. Those kinds of experiences teach us about things. So lean into your brilliance in your times of struggle because they hold great power and great, great insight. You have said show up in mind, body, and spirit. And I think that's probably universal advice for everybody. How? (laughs) How? First, I guess I would say the number one thing I would say is where, ask yourself the question, where am I now? Ask yourself, where am I now? And if you ask yourself, where am I now? You will find that you will bring yourself to the present moment by looking around, right? And so to be show up in mind, bodies, and spirit really is making relationship with the here and now. Because most times we spend it obsessing over the future and regretting the past or 
thinking about things that have happened that have steered us wrong, right? We being in the present moment is where mind, body, and spirit comes from. And the biggest tool you can use to hold you in uh, that question of where am I now is the breath really like Navy SEALs do, people in the military do when they're in crisis situations, which, by the way, there's a model for that, too, in the U.S. Navy called the Combat Operational Stress Control, which is a contextual model they give to servicemen and women. But the number one thing is breathe. So if you when I before I go on calls, before I, you know, do a big presentation, I do a big keynote, I'm in that back just... Being in the moment, being in the moment, being in the moment. Athletes, professional athletes, you'll watch them take that moment of presence. That and a million other things, right? Then a million other things can help you be in mind, body, and spirit, but that's a good start. I love what you said there. Lean into your brilliance in time of struggle. And I think it's, I think what you talked about there with the box of brilliance is, I think a lot of times when people encounter failure or encounter tough times, struggles, obstacles, you name it, they dwell a little bit too much on the coulda, shoulda, woulda, or they, I thought at this stage I'd be here and I'm not there yet. And they dwell on those kinds of things. And there is brilliance in everybody. And so you talked about about clarifying that, the way you crystallize it with three, seven or 10, but no more than 10 words to really define who you are and what you are. I love the way that you use a little bit of, from one of our prior guests, James Bond, some brain glue, right? Try and get some words together that kind of fit together because it sends a message and you can retain it. So I love all of that. We didn't necessarily touch though on the amplify and monetize. So I really like to bring this to to a kind of conclusion here. Okay, we've clarified it. We know what we got. How do we amplify it? How do we monetize and get out there and kick some butt? Yeah, let's do it really easy. Crystallization. So once you're crystal clear, you can draw it on a cocktail napkin. Now you're going to amplify it. There's only four ways people take in your brilliance. They read you, listen to you, watch you, and interact with you. What I recommend to business owners and thought leaders and anyone else sharing their brilliance in the world is decide one of those that you actually love. Okay, because we want to make amplification smart, easy, and fun. When it's smart, easy, and fun, you'll do it. So choose something that you want to read. Do you want to write a blog? Do you want to write a book? Do you want to just do social posts? Do you want to do an email campaign? Where do you want people to read you? Where do they want to listen to you? Doing podcast interviews, doing it. I don't even know if Clubhouse is still around. And the other one is interact with you and watch you. So choose things like, this is what I'm going to do, just these four things. Don't kill yourself doing a bunch of stuff. Do things that are smart, easy, and fun. You actually want to do them because there's energy to that and your enthusiasm will be the fuel that will drive you up to the monetization realm. So doing that, and then when you get to monetize, the thing that I highly recommend you do is consider you want to create a walk, run, soar value ladder. You want to be able to offer a little bit of you or your product, and then lead people that love it will then automatically move to more of you in the run, and then that will lead you to a soar. People cannibalize too much in the marketplace. They eat their own energy by sending out competing offers. So make sure you got nice, tight, crystallized offer, very clear about what you're doing in that walk stage so that 
you can just market that, right? Put your energy towards that. That is the magic sauce. You amplify strategically across all the channels, the same information, no matter where you show up, people are getting the same stuff. And then you have a very clear, intuitive walk, run, soar value ladder so that you can have a funnel that goes right into that walk all the time. Wow. I love that. I absolutely love it. Just to clarify, recap for myself, figure out how to what you know, put all your brilliance in a box. Yep. Right. Work with someone like yourself or just crystallize it yep. yourself. What are really my key words here? What does it really come down yep. to on this napkin? Amplify it through the means that you enjoy the most. It's the most fun. It's the easiest to do, whether it be yep. the reading, the watching, the listening, or the interacting. Yep. And then I really like the last three words you put in here, right? Yep. How you monetize it is walk people down the path. It's the funnel. You yep. may have a thousand people that may walk with you. You may have a hundred that may run with you and you may have 20 that exactly. soar with you as an example, but it, yes. it's a funnel. Not everybody's going to soar with you. That's okay. No. But walk them through that channel of walking with you first. How can our listeners walk with you to get started and learn more about you? Yeah, I would love to give them complimentary access to the crystallization process, the 10 steps I do to clarify, amplify, and monetize their brand and business. They're going to get a little micro course of 10 little videos of me, three to five minutes of what I actually do when I'm crystallizing folks. Now, one thing I would like to offer gentlemen is there's power to strategic co-creation. So even if they don't want to hire me as their crystallizer, what I would encourage them to do is who else in your life can you be partnering with in this process? Because there is power to someone else observing you. And so go find a trusted source, mastermind partner, uh, colleague that isn't just going to yes on you, but really give you serious, constructive feedback and guidance and support in a way because it's a very vulnerable time. Crystallization happens best when done in pairs. Love that. That's a tweetable quote. I'm going to take that one. Write that one down. It's a really good one. And we really appreciate your time here today and certainly would love to Get those. Oh, I didn't tell you the address. Can they go to TeresaRose.com slash clear? Okay. Like clear is a bell. And it's Teresa Rose, there's a rose. That's how you know how to spell my name. There's right, a so rose. TeresaRose.com slash clear. Yep, you got it. Perfect. That's Thank how you. we get it. I really Teresa. appreciate your time, Teresa. It's fantastic. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank I you. appreciate it. Be well. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. John, I love love. Boiling things down to a cocktail napkin, almost to the point where whatever the person's essence is understandable to a child. It's that simple. I've never heard somebody talk about it that way, and I love it. Yeah, you had me thinking, Rich. It's, his name's been brought up several times on this podcast by different guests, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he has absolutely monetized his brand to put it in reverse. He monetized his brand by amplifying a certain key set of words or messages over and over and over and over again. You don't hear new content necessarily when you go see him. It gets refreshed, but it's the same message you know, that he has on his napkin. These are the messages I want to have, just like Teresa has her nine principles for mindful performance, right? Or... Simon Sinek has his conceptual model. I think having exactly what your message is and distilling it into that, that brilliance on a napkin is very wise, great strategy. And I love the fact that Teresa provides us with 
some videos on how you can learn how to do that for yourself, but then also offering herself up as an option where you can actually consult with her and have that two person. Like I could definitely see you and I, Rich, walking through this process together and challenging each other and being vulnerable to each other. We know so much about each other's histories to be able to do this together. But I love the fact that Teresa can be that two person team with you or an entrepreneur who needs help really crystallizing what their message really is. And the idea of putting the box of brilliance in place that she said a folder, I'm envisioning there's an online folder that's a shared folder that she invites her clients. She said to put everything that is meaningful to you, something where you feel like you shined, that you're proud of, that you want more of in your life. And she really goes to school on the person and helps them distill things into what is core. I loved some of her words on what she got from her coach, which she said, to be clear with a coach and be seen and reflected upon. Yeah. That, that's deep. There aren't a lot of people in our lives that I think we feel seen and reflected upon with just the selection of that wording. And she just said that off the cuff. It struck me. So I took a note on it, but she just, to come up with those words, she must be as good of a listener as she claims to be able to just come up with that and go to be seen and reflected upon the level of depth that, that strikes me with. Mm. There are a lot of people who want to be heard in this world. There are not a lot of good listeners. And John, I've reflected recently upon who's the generous one, the talker or the listener? Because a person who's doing the talking, I believe, thinks they're being generous because they're offering something they believe is a value, whether it be about the weather, whether it be advice, whether it be what happened, it's an entertaining story. They have a reason they're talking and they believe they're being generous. But there is no talker unless there's a listener. There's a dependent relationship. And then is the listener being generous to not talk and tell their story? It's just so interesting to me, the yin and the yang that a talker who is being generous requires an equally generous listener And it sounds as a coach, Teresa is an amazing, generous listener. Yeah, it reminds me of that book, Give and Take. There are givers and there are takers. And when somebody talks 99% of the time, they're not necessarily the generous one. The best coaches in the world talk 20% of the time when they're coaching. They're a better listener and they ask pointed questions that draws uh, things out. But you also have to participate. And in give and take, it really talks through those concepts a little bit. But I think you, you're you a role model of that yourself, Rich. You're, like, you're an exceptional listener and you're very present. Just like Teresa is like extremely present. And I do love the, you could feel the energy like just coming off right off the bat. And, and she yeah. mentioned herself like a little bit of theater, a little bit of, yeah. little bit of this, a little bit of that. You could feel the, en- the energy. And when she says you have to be their mind, what was it? Mind, mind body, heart, spirit. Mind, body, spirit. That's where you need to be present. You can't just bring the body and expect to influence people or lead people. You got to be there in mind, body, and spirit. And you could definitely feel that spirit coming out of what she had to offer here today. And I think really when it comes down to it, though, I really feel people struggle. If I were to ask you right now, what are your five keywords on a napkin of the message that you have? 
and I ask the entrepreneurs or leaders listening to this, what are your four or five keywords that you have on this napkin that you want to amplify? It's not so easy, but you have this body of work of things you've produced and you've done and experiences you've had that you, if you put in this box, you'd be able to figure it out. It just takes a process to do that. And I think that's what Teresa can offer and her process can offer. So I, I really encourage people to figure out what those words are because that really is your message that you can bring to the world that can really impact others. Yeah, and I liked her on monetizing walk, run, soar. I feel like really often we hear crawl, walk, run. Yes. And her twist on that is just catchy. And yep. the sore at the end. So start off by walking, not crawling. Who wants to crawl? Walk, <laughs> run, soar. Value ladder is what she called it. So I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm going to listen to these videos she has on the 10 steps to clarify, amplify, and monetize. I'm looking forward to learning more and getting in there stuff. And I accept your offer to maybe have some co-accountability on doing some crystallizing ourselves. Yeah, can't wait to see your napkin.